Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. His name is Paul Gosselin, and we spoke back in June of 2021 about his two-part book. We talked about the first part, and the title of the book is Flight from the Absolute, Cynical Observations on the Postmodern West. So today, uh, we're going to talk about Volume 2, very interesting uh, add-on to his original book. We taught this book talks more about kind of critiques evolutionary thought and compares this kind of thought to what's happened in the 20th century with uh, horrible events like uh, the Gulag Archipelago, Solzhenitsyn, and the Holocaust and the Final Solution. But uh, Paul could talk more about that. So Paul Gosselin, are you there? Hello there. Um, the first chapter of this uh, volume two uh, does get into some of the ethical issues that are derivative of the postmodern worldview, but the rest of the book uh, gets into the, the issue of uh, the theory of evolution. And, and I start off looking at this from the social anthropologist's point of view, as that is uh, basically humans all over the world uh i'll 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 ask the big questions you know where do we come from what are we doing here how do we deal with this crazy world how do we how do we sort this out and that's how these are these are the 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 questions that worldviews attempt to answer and worldviews can be you know the traditional religions that have gods or goddesses or whatever and they, uh, they, they can also be materialistic ideologies that, that do not refer to any supernatural phenomenon or anything of that sort, but they attempt to sort out. So these, these are ideologies that are derivative from the Enlightenment and more recently postmodernism. So, but, so basically humans are all stuck with these questions and with if somebody is working within a, a materialistic worldview, then you still need an origins myth to explain, to provide answers to the questions, where do we come from? Because the answer to the question, where do we come from, will affect everything else that you build on that. So, right. so the, these are very critical, these are very critical questions and they will they will have influence about how you treat your next door neighbor or how you deal with life and how you deal with relationships and many many uh, how you how you build up a system of law you know right. if you recognize people with rights or not or if you decide determine if your ideology determines that uh, certain people don't get rights so uh, so these are very very critical issues and I think and that your right your book talks kind of like the the enlightenment brought in science right well the, the thing is I, I this uh, I have to make this a little bit more uh, precise is that my in my view the enlightenment should be looked at as primarily um, a ideological religious movement in other words, it's basically trying to form worldviews. So you have a, a number of, of, uh, of ideologies that are derivative from the Enlightenment. You have Nazism, communism, uh, well, Marxism, just the Marxist theories and things of, of that sort. And there's all kinds of other stuff you can put in there. But they're all attempting to uh, 
you know, uh, they're building on the, the, the Enlightenment's view that, that one of the central questions also that uh, social, uh, that uh, religions ask is, uh, attempt to answer is, where is truth? So you're, when you're building a worldview, well, you have to have some sort of authoritative uh, basis for doing so. You know, otherwise it's just everybody else's opinion, and you can't build a, you can't build a society, you can't build a civilization on that basis. So the Enlightenment was basically an, an alternative, or a com, com, was competing with the Judeo-Christian worldview, and uh, they were. The, so the answer to that question, from the Enlightenment's point of view, is okay. Science and human reason is the most authoritative uh, discourse. So that's where you find truth. So that's right. and this, of course, leads us to the, the inevitably when they're answering the you know trying attempting to provide uh, uh, a, a, um, an origins myth. Well, the the they 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 need a materialistic origins myth. So the so so this is where you bring in. Uh, you bring in uh, science as an answer. And uh, I have an interesting quote here from Richard Dawkins. Okay. So there, for, for the, in the first stage of the Enlightenment, there really wasn't uh, a materialistic uh, response to Genesis. So the, the, there were people, there were people pr prior to Darwin and prior to uh, guys like uh, uh, the, the, the French, um, Anyways, there are other other uh, other people that had made attempts to make materialistic origins myths before Darwin, and uh, so Richard Dawkins makes this comment in *The Blind Watchmaker*. He says, "An atheist before Darwin could have said, following uh, David Hume, I have no explanation for complex biological design. All I know is God isn't a good explanation." So you must wait and see and hope somebody comes up with a better one. I can't help feeling that such a position, though logically sound, would have left one feeling pretty unsatisfied. And though, although atheism might have been logically tenable, tenable before Darwin, Darwin made it possible to, possible to be an intellectually fulfilled atheist. So I would correct or paraphrase that last that last sentence that uh, Dawkins uh, says and change it rather to Darwin made it possible to be an in, uh, ideologically fulfilled atheist. In other words, having a, a satisfying uh, or plausible answer to the question, how do you get the complexity of life that we see all around us without an intelligent agent? So that's what Darwin and... Uh, uh, people like Buffon, the the Comte de Buffon, were attempting to do uh, and provide provide this answer. So, so this is a, this what Dawkins is talking about is actually not not a scientific issue. It's an ideological issue. It's uh, it's finding a, a, an answer to the question: Where do we come from? And I I would claim that. Uh, this is uh, the theory of evolution's primary function. This is this is not a something that is secondary. This what Dawkins here is talking about. But this is the primary function is actually ideological, 
So, so this is really central to what I'm talking about in this book. And I provide material from the social from social anthropology, and uh, a lot of material from that. But uh, a little bit later on, I get into uh, a secondary question, which is part of the picture, which is used to defend the theory of evolution. Well, it's science, so. Science, you can't, uh, which uh, the enlightened, the way people in the enlightenment thinkers, they, they typically trot this out uh, uh, as a, as a, as a sh to shield evolution from any critiques, any serious criticism. Well, so that, yeah, sorry to interrupt, Paul, but they're using it today for the basis of these MNRA injections too. trust the science. Yeah, so it's yeah, the same, you see the same uh, approach. Don't question, we've got the science. They don't want any more questions than that. Sorry, yes, no, but the, the so that, similarities exactly there. Yeah. This, you're right. It's exactly the same sort of argument. You're a science. So right off the bat, if you're you're shielding uh, ideology with uh, in the name of science. So if you're uh, re, you reject evolution or Darwin, you're a science denier. If you reject uh, the the vaccine or any of the the COVID uh, measures that are going down, well, you're a science denier. So, so that's that. That's ver a very effective way to shut people down, yes. to shut down, to 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 cut out any serious questions and criticism. Even the and slightest leads, one, even the slightest one, Paul. Even the slightest oh, yeah, criticism. Of course, yeah, of course. Uh, th this lead this leads us to uh, actually to Karl Popper, though, uh, because Karl Popper was practically the most influential philosopher of science during the 20th century. He wrote uh, many, many books, and um, so. Can, can you talk about? I mean, we can we can bounce back, but I think Popper is very important. We talked about him in the pre-show. For people probably haven't heard of Karl Popper, can you kind of explain how his his works and his varying works were critical of evolutionary thought? Well, he, first off, the, the evolution was. Uh, the theory of evolution was a, an incidental target of, uh, of Karl Popper. In other words, his critiques weren't central to his works. He, Karl Popper was basically reacting to uh, the way science had been abused, for example, by the Nazis or by the communists and supporting. So Karl, wanted, Karl Popper wanted a, 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 a whittled down definition of science. So he was restricting science to what he called, and it refers to the title of one of his books, Conjectures and Refutations. So basically, uh, Popper's view was that science in, uh, in inherently involves, in other words, it's a requirement that if you're proposing a scientific hypothesis, then you have to formulate it in a form where it can be uh, subjected to tests. It can be refuted. In other words, you never can. He, 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 his, his view is that you cannot, science cannot lead to truth. It can lead, it's always tentative. It's not, it's never absolute, you know, like uh, uh, compare, let's say the Bible or something, something uh, in that, in that form. So, uh, so, and here's the thing, when it, when it came a little bit incidentally, he was bumping into the, the, the issue of evolution. Yeah. And he and his his view was that well no evolution does not satisfy my criteria for a scientific theory because there's never any 
uh, form where it is stated where it could be tested and refuted. In other words, it has to be formulated in a, in a way that it can, uh, it can, you can reject it. But evolutionists are very, very uh, effective and in, in, in explaining away any refutation. You know, in the, for example, the, the, the evolutionists, evolutionists in, uh, in Darwin's time, they would look through a microscope and they would see a single-celled organism, a bacteria, whatever, and they would chortle, oh, this is just a, a simple cell. That, that would be the typical way to look at it, the simple cell. But now when we look at uh, a simple cell with uh, all the experience we, we were developing in microbiology, we, we're, we've been looking at them a lot more closely, and we see the incredible, humongously com incredible complexity of just a simple cell. And think about it. Uh, compared to uh, one of our top-of-the-line supercomputers that are able to do petaflops of calculations per second, and uh, which are the pretty much the 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 the, the top of human uh, intellectual capacity right now. It's the it's the the summit of science and technology. What we have right now. One, you take one of these supercomputers and a simple cell can beat them anytime because a simple cell is capable of creating an operating and functional copy of itself with no other, uh, no other help from outside. Just using its own internal programming, the simple cell is able to do that. Hyper complex. So, and if you look at uh, his drawings of cells, Darwin's drawings of cells, they were rudimentary. He had a very simple understanding back in the 19th century. But also Popper juxtaposed the so-called law of evolution with the law of gravity. So he, you could say the law of gravity is provable by anybody, but the law of the so-called law of evolution is not. So I'm just adding to well, that. Well, here's the thing, though. That when when Popper was looking at okay, he was uh, he had objections, certain objections to uh, natural selection and things of that sort but the the main issue that the main issue that uh popper had is that the the whole matter of origins is outside what science can you can't do any experiments on the on, on the the origin of the species or the origin of birds or bacteria or whatever it's not it's there there isn't any scientific we, we have for example uh, if you want to look at something very small, you have a microscope. If you want to look at something very far away, you have you use a telescope, and et cetera, et cetera. You want to use uh, something to uh, you need something to explore inside the human body. Well, you have MRI scanners, but there is no technical means to explore the the, the first events. These are unique unique events. Science it has to do with repeatable events. For example, gravity, I can get my car keys out of my pocket and I can drop them on the floor and I can have this filmed and uh, we, we can observe the acceleration and uh, you can take your own car keys out of your pocket and you can repeat my experiment and you can see if I'm, 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 I'm spouting nonsense about the acceleration of my car keys or you can confirm, yeah, they do accelerate at, uh, at that speed. 
and we can do the same for water boiling on a in a pot on our stove you know verify water boils at uh, 100 degrees centigrade so uh, so these are so this is this is observable science but uh, what uh, popper was slowly whittling away at was the, the the enlightenment concept that science can be used as an answer for everything right. so uh, this guy of course when creationists and critics of evolution began quoting Popper uh, on this, uh, this began to, uh, there, there was pressure put on Popper to, uh, to, to, to shut up or to um, perhaps make, uh, make some statements, uh, you know, to, uh, or fall in line, fall in line, or something. Yes, 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 yes. So just to show that he was playing by the rules and everything. So I, I have a chapter. I'm not going to give away all the all the details in that chapter, but uh, basically there was a, there was a, an article that that Popper finally published. Supposedly, it, well, the, the the consensus is that Popper recanted his views, his critiques of evolution. So he 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 decided to play by the rules and be a good boy and uh, so but I I present detailed evidence uh, that contradicts the the consensus view about what Popper really felt about uh, about evolution and whether he quote unquote recanted his views. Right. So. Uh, but he, I mean, he called it kind of a religious view. It was a metaphysical research program, right? So his view yeah, was, yeah, it was yeah. too, too forward a metaphysical worldview. And it's a theme in your book. There's origins or myths that we all rely upon to kind of operate. In, and like you say, it affects everything, our full worldview, whether you're uh, just yeah. a pure materialist oh, here, or something. Here, here, I, well, I won't, I won't. Won't cover all the details the, the, uh, about you know that this uh, this uh, the the, the art that article that Popper published where he supposedly recanted. But here's a little tidbit from a prestigious uh, uh, science journal editor, a guy by the name of uh, Adam Wilkins, and he was uh, pub uh, editor of the prestigious journal the Bioessays. So here's a little tidbit that. Uh, gives a little insight to the actual scientific contribution that the theory of evolution has provided that, it, you know, because if you go in university libraries and you check out the number of books that have the word, the word evolution in them, well, you, you'll have humongous, you know, shelves and shelves of books with this, uh, with, with, uh, with that mention evolution. You know, it, it, it's just sort of like a byword. It's uh, uh, but he, here's a here here's the quote from Wilkins. You see, this was written in uh, 2000, a few uh, 20 over 20 years ago now. The subject of evolution occupies a special and paradoxical place within the biology as a whole. While the great many majority of biologists would probably agree with uh, Theodis Dobsansky's dictum that nothing in biology makes sense except in the light of evolution. Right. Most, most, most can't, okay, that's end of quote. So most can conduct their work quite happily without particular reference to evolutionary ideas. So evolution would appear to be uh, an indispensable unifying idea, and at the, at the same time, a highly superfluous one. Right. So 
Oh, it is incredible. This is a rather shocking because the this the the scientific pro productivity of evolution is well. He he. I'm putting this in a nutshell. I'm not. I'm. I'm not. This is not. This these aren't Wilkins' words. But basically, he's saying that it's it's scientific productivity or uh, fruitfulness is zero. So the reason why so many people quote, have the word evolution, especially biologists, why they, they, they constantly have this, it is more for ideological reasons, more for just uh, showing up, showing that they're part of the pack, that they, they adopt the, the, the dominant worldview. But the actual contribution, if you compare this uh, evolution, for example, to uh, Newton's classical physics, well, Newton's classical physics allowed us allows us to put uh, satellites in orbit, and right. well, rel relativity comes into this too, of course. Uh, but you know, the, the the Newton's classical physics allowed us to get men to the moon, and also bring them back, which is usually considered a good idea. So, right. so, so there there are real. Uh, you know, there's real fruit that comes from real science, real science that is based on real observation. And you, uh, one of the the sidelines of uh, evolutionary theories is uh, you, you may run into sometimes is what they call a order from noise. And the, the order from noise concept is that if you have uh, you know, the, the, it's related to the question, how do you get order? How do you get information or the programming? Well, we're, we, we have to face, for example, the, the whole issue that there's programming and or uh, living organisms. There's all kinds of programming for all kinds of, there's mechanisms and things of this sort. So how do you get that? So one of the proposed solutions is order from noise. You just have enough, have enough time. Time is the magic wand, of course lots and lots of time and eventually you'll get order it's you know it, it's viewed like uh <laughs> like the tooth fairy the tooth fairy right. will come and you know do 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 her thing and uh, so so it's time is viewed as sort of like a magic wand that will bring about any desired result right but, it really uh, is incredible, incredible. But here's the thing: if if this really worked, okay, if the, the 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 order from noise principle, which you see in you know in very uh, high flung uh, theoretical evolutionary biology journals, you know, you'll have this in very uh, very uh, you know the elite you know, elite evolutionary journals. They will be talking about stuff like there there were some French biologists too that were were putting this up. But here's the thing: if if it was if it was actually something that could produce real results, well, you would think that, for example, Bill Gates would uh, get, you know, fire all his programmers at uh, Microsoft and use this principle to develop the next version of Windows. You know, you get order from noise. Well, if it's going to, if it works, then why not use it to get some practical results? But, uh, I don't think that programmers at Microsoft have to worry too much that, uh, you know, that they can get actually programs without programmers. Which, right, right. So, so, but, but the whole theory of evolution in its in its modern uh, version uh, rests on this idea that you get 
programming without a programmer. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's incredible how they really have taken over science with the theory that has so much cultural impact, but the science of it, the actual real science that they claim uh, isn't provable. It's yeah. not, you can't objectively prove it, just like uh, Popper said. Yeah, yeah. It's really incredible. I mean, and one of the other interesting elements of your book is like the consequences of this ideas upon man as animal in the animal kingdom. Can you talk about kind of this, how the, you know, the Judeo-Christian view is that man in the animal kingdom is different in the Darwin view. You can learn about man from the animals, right? Which was very kind of new as new thinking and uh, really started after Darwin, right? Yeah. 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 That, that, that is entirely true. Well, the, the, because when you throw out uh, the creator, you're also throwing out the, the lawmaker, the one that makes the rules. So you, Basically, uh, for example, when I, when I was in university beginning, uh, do, still doing my social anthropology studies, so often we would have uh, in classes where we were, there were certain discussions about human sexuality, you would have uh, authors throwing out things like, well, we see uh, uh, certain uh, organisms uh, like, uh, I don't know, the... the Penguins or certain penguins put up with homosexual action activity, and since we're animals, then uh, right. logically, logically, this the defense. Then uh, this this uh, this is a good uh, justification for human. Uh, hum we're just animals after all, so why not uh, put up with uh, human uh, homos humans homosexuality? So, right. but here's the thing, though, you if you open this door then you're stuck with uh, following it logically to its consequences. And one, uh, for example, one of, one of the issues that comes up, well, okay, there's all kinds of uh, very strange behavior in, in animals. If, you, if, if that's your only line of moral thinking, well, then, for example, in, in polar bears, uh, when the males come out of hibernation and they run into their uh, offspring that... Uh, the, the the mother is not paying too much attention where the 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 the, the male the male polar bears can uh, cannibalize the, the 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 small polar bears if they're needing uh, you know they're needing right. a snack or something so so there's all kinds of behavior that we can run into in the animal world and if we're only you know uh, cut and paste we're just uh, pick and choose uh, which ones you know are are useful to our present uh, uh, our our present ideological needs, but you know the the whole just opening up that principle uh, you, can, you can you can take it anywhere the, right the, well, you could go it's if arbitrary right if we're mans and they're animals, you mentioned you could be bestiality. what does it matter? transspecies sexuality, um all kinds of strange things if we're all animals and then if we're animals, then you can be treated completely different, right? So any kind of... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the other significant issue is that in the, 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 the Judeo-Christian tradition, man is viewed as unique. Man is seen as made in God's image. So man has value for that reason, not because he has a PhD, not because he has a billion bucks in the bank, not because he's... Uh, he can 
you know, beat your face to a pulp, you know, because he's uh, got biceps like Arnold or what Arnold used to have anyways. So each human is seen as having value for that reason and requiring respect for that reason as well. So, so this is the basis for our political rights and our right. religious freedom or the, you know, the, 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 the free speech value, this free speech principles we have in the West were first won by people who were in the, in the following the Reformation that were defending their own religious freedom. So there were the, 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 the early uh, reform uh, people with the, beginning with the, the, the Lutherans, then later on uh, others, dissidents, were because the, 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 the general form of uh, religion in, in the West was previous to that was, well, the, the king uh, is a Catholic or a Protestant, so uh, everybody else has to be the same. So that would be the typical form, you know, if the, and, and it, it's also the, uh, the, the, the typical form in Muslim nations too as well. So there's very little tolerance for any uh, ideological or religious uh, deviation in within uh, uh, Islamic uh, where nations where Islam is dominant. So, but uh, the, the reformers recognize that uh, no, they're, they're we have to be humans have to be free to follow their uh, to 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 make their own decisions per personally and so the and a number of them paid for this uh, this this demand to break from uh, the, the 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 meddling of the state for religious matters and this was the basis later on for the forming of political parties People could have different political views, but the, this was this was uh, initiated. This the ground was broken because of people uh, fighting to uh, for religious freedom. Right, and then you could just juxtapose that. You mentioned Solzhenitsyn in the book, and some of these other atheistic, materialistic uh, places like the Soviet Union, where those those values were not really valued. They weren't real values. They were the individual wasn't valued, and free speech wasn't valued, and the person is almost just like an animal. And some, and also that that whole we can talk about the theme of scientism and science. They, I mean, I think Marx's presumption was that he was perfectly scientific. It was a scientific eventuality that the whole world would be communistic. So they had that certainty, and they just and that justified. Incredible well, the, abuses. The, 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 those two ideologies, both Marxism and, and Nazism, had uh, were both very Darwinian in their outlook. Uh, for example, the the, uh, the both of them that one in at the heart of their ideology was this idea of uh, survival of the fittest. Whereas in the case of the the, the, the Nazis, well, it was survival of the fittest of the Aryan race. So this was a racial view of uh, survival of the fittest. And of course, the ones that were on the losing side had to be gotten rid of. And in the case of Marxism, though, it was survival of the fittest of the social classes. So you have the workers uh, who are striving and who are uh, fighting against the capitalists. 
So it's, uh, but basically at the heart of each of these ideologies was the, the Darwinian concept of survival of the fittest. And right, but, but seeing but the, but both of them got rid of this central idea that you know see, seeing they were distancing themselves from the Judeo-Christian worldview, they'd also gotten rid of uh, this whole idea of the the you know man made in God's image. So you have a few the famous quote by Lenin that well massacring a few millions was just like making omelets. You know, no big deal. It's just. The, the only thing that important was important in his view was setting up the communist state. Right. And you I mean, know, even Stalin at the communist paradise of the, the workers, you know, the, the workers, uh, workers, government. Basically. Workers utopia. Right. Stalin famously yeah, said yeah, one, so one death is a tragedy. Um, one million is a statistic. Anything right? could be justified on that basis. Right. So, and, and that's uh, the Nazis, too. And that's not just the Soviet Union. You can take that to Maoism. Uh, yeah, of course, of course. All the they other places. They're following the same logic. And uh, but here's the thing: in our own time, with our postmodern elites who are presently in power, these people also do not recognize the the, the concept that we are man is made in God's image. They don't. They don't. There, there's no uh, accountable accountability to any creator or anything, any higher law above them. So this, and where this translates, of course, is the whole, uh, either at the beginning of life with the, the whole issue of abortion, where, uh, you know, kids are without value because we've, dis we've, we've determined that uh, you know, a child in the mother's womb is uh, of no value. But the same ideology uh, applies, for example, with euthanasia, when people are past a certain, uh, we also have been determining what's what's quality of life. Well, this is basically people setting themselves up with godlike powers to determine where life is worth living only if it meets these criteria. Right. And that is basically uh, what the Nazis were doing too. With the the, the whole, the, they, they, they had, a, they, of course, they had a racial definition of you know, life, the meaningful life in their case, but still uh, our postmodern elites are giving themselves godlike powers to determine, you know, uh, okay, past, uh, if you don't meet the, meet these requirements, then you're, 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 you can be discontinued. Right. And you just see that coming around again. You see it coming through the Nazis and, and just the massive purges in Soviet Union to the present, this idea of euthanasia, that's really kind of taking over a lot of the world. I mean, I think euthanasia is legal in the Netherlands or Holland or something like that. But and uh, it's being set up in Canada. It's uh, maybe it's the the the. But in Canada, there's uh, there there's a lot of the the medical institutions, the 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 or, the, the medical associations, the the, the ones that dot, runs the, the the medical system. Either the, the the ideology, ideology is powerfully being pushed through, and it's it's just you know step. It's being cranked up uh, incrementally, though. That that's that's the the you know when the Nazis came into power, things were a little bit brutal and in your face. But we have the, the postmoderns have learned a few a few very critical lessons from uh, the, the 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 Nazi experience and the communists is that when when you're too when you're exposing your ideas openly. Well, this will uh, allow your enemies to organize and attack you. 
So the postmoderns are very uh, behind the scenes. They're using they're using government institutions. They're using uh, educational institutions. They're not laying out their cards on the table. The, the Nazis, for example, have had Hitler's Mein Kampf. So if you wanted to look at the Nazi program, you just had to read Mein Kampf, and you would have a pretty good idea where they were going. And the same with the communists. Well, if you wanted to, uh, you, if you wanted to know what the communists were, uh, were uh, you know what they were intending to do, well, you'd read the, the Communist Manifesto or Marx's writings. Uh, but the postmoderns have avoided all this. They've just pushed their ideology through. They haven't laid. They've never. They don't lay their cards down on the table. So it's it's more difficult for their adversaries to organize, and it's. Uh, it's harder to get a grasp on where things are going, where they're where they're where they're taking all, uh, all you know the the current events and everything. Right, but I do think see that this the gist or, or the the arc of your book ties into the present state where you see these people who are making the laws of nature again, whether the science of this pandemic and they're the the scientistical leaders, their science is correct. And they're making massive changes. I mean, if you look at Australia, I think they had like one death a week from COVID, and they're shutting the whole country down for science. So, and, yeah, and you have know, strange things they, happening in Canada and the U.S. Actually, they they seem to be tr attempting to uh, bring a, 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 a Chinese surveillance state into a democratic regime. So they they, they seem well on the way to to doing that. And yeah, it's, it's uh, coming in the states. It's pretty chilling, but uh, Canada. Uh, my personal impression is Canada is just a few steps behind. We're not, we're not quite there. But uh, presently, for example, uh, not being vaccinated, I can't even visit my uh, my parents in the old in an old folks home. Yeah, not no, being it's... vaccinated. So the, these are these are <laughs> these are very very uh, practical down the down to earth issues. Is this not? Uh, I don't right. travel much, but uh, so I, I'm already uh, um, pretty soon I won't be able to take a plane and, and leave the country if I felt like it or travel or whatever. So right. these are these 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 are very practical issues. Very practical issues coming from your book. And I mean, it's really so much information. There's tons of information on Popper. I would recommend people just read that section on Popper. So important. And also the kind of like what you have to do, the kind of struggle session to get through. Uh, you know, some of these groups ideas because we're headed there individually, in my opinion, yeah. sooner than later. Um, Paul, where's the best place? I know your website is Sam. It's Sam is dot S A M I Z D A T dot com. Correct. Right. 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 And then your book is the best place on at your website or is it Amazon? Uh, both are good. It's no, that's pretty much irrelevant. You can get it through Amazon. It's uh, available there, too, as well. And a lot of other secondary resellers that uh, rely on Amazon, so it's uh, you know that's a good way to do it. And you you post often, don't you? Have a blog or a, is it on your website where you're posting a lot your articles? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I regularly post my uh, my website Samstad. I don't have a that that's basically my blog. I, you could say it's not a it's more of a traditional website though, as gotcha. however, but. Uh, yeah. Is there anything you'd like to add or anything I missed before we wrap it up? 
just one little parallel, one one link between the the book and uh, the present circumstances is that uh, regarding how science is being used is that Popper was uh, when when Popper was talking about science, one of the essential uh, elements for him was that science allow uh, required debate, real serious debate. For example, uh, if uh, the present debate about either vaccines or the COVID restrictions or all this were conducted, uh, if, uh, if 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 the same principles were, were the, 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 the governments are applying right now to the debate about these issues was applied when, uh, for example, Einstein was coming on the scene and bring, bringing his uh, theory of relativity to the fore. Well, if he if he was if he had faced exactly the same attitudes about oh the consensus science is it and we all have to uh, we all have to submit to the consensus science, well, uh, Einstein would have never been able to get his theory get a hearing because the consensus in his time at the beginning of the 20th century was well. Newton's classical physics are it. It's the consensus. So why fight the consensus? And uh, but the th here's the thing: at that at that time, the scientists were up to taking on a real serious debate about fundamental issues, and this allowed Einstein to make his case and provide evidence and show that where there were areas where Newton's uh, physics was not able to explain certain phenomena. And so people were open to this sort of debate. Whereas here in the present context, where everybody, where the, the governments and uh, me, uh, medical authorities are saying, everybody must bow to the science. The consensus says this, the experts say this. Well, that, that, is, that, that does not meet uh, Karl Popper's requirement for science. You know, so, so this would be anathema to Popper. You basically, you, you, need, you, you need open debate to have any real science. And if you're, if you're denying that, if you're, if you're cutting that out, then you've gone, you, you, you're, you're not doing science. You're doing right. ideology, you're doing politics, but you're not doing science. Right. That's so, so this important. is really central right now to what's going down and the way uh, the the debate is being carried. Well, actually, there is the, the, if 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 Google and uh, you know the CDC were uh, in uh, had power, absolute power. Well, then uh, there there wouldn't be, everybody would be shut down. Right. I mean, I know people have already been shut down for other issues, but that's a great way to wrap it up, Paul. So again, the author's name is Paul Gosselin. The title of the book it's a two volume is Flight from the Absolute. Cynical Observations on the Postmodern West. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. All right, take care, Paul. Bye-bye. All right, stay there.